brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to What is Going Om for new thought from the edge of Om. Each week on Om Time's flagship radio show, veteran broadcaster, author, and media consultant Sandy Sedgbeer conducts thought provoking interviews with inspirational authors, artists, musicians, scientists, speakers, and filmmakers who are working at the point where spirituality and science meet consciousness at the very edge of Om. Here is your host, Sandy Sedgbeer. And welcome to What is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer. And as the 2016 election approaches, America appears to be spiraling into a dysfunction that threatens us all, including our allies around the world. The two-party system, sprung from the aims of democracy, has become violently divisive, almost to the point where there are two Americas, each at the other's throat. America is being pulled apart and every citizen feels the pain from this profoundly. When did political discourse become a boxing match? How did America, founded on the highest of principles of justice and freedom, get so far off course? And most importantly, is it too late to repair the damage and get back on track? With me today to answer these questions and share his visionary blueprint for America's political, financial, social and sacred evolution is political strategist, social innovator, entrepreneur and founder and CEO of the Shift Network, Stephen Diamond. Formerly a senior staffer at the Institute of Noetic Science, where he was the driving force behind the Shift in Action program, Stephen Dynan also directed and helped create the Esalen Institute's Center for Theory and Research, a think tank for scholars, researchers and teachers to explore human potential frontiers. He's a member of the prestigious Transformational Leadership Council and Evolutionary Leaders Group, the author of two books, Radical Spirit, Spiritual Writings from the Voice of Tomorrow, and the newly released and exquisitely timed Sacred America, Sacred World, fulfilling our mission in service to all. Stephen Dynan, welcome. Thank you for the kind introduction, Sandy. Stephen, you've been writing Sacred America, Sacred World for 10 years. Is the timing of its publication coincidence, or was there some galvanizing factor pushing you to get it finished and released right now? I really intuited that 2016 is a pivotal moment for America and for the larger world. I, I, I really see us First of all, in, in a critical decade, that this is when the collective crises have reached a crescendo point and we really need to choose fully and passionately a positive future and to let go of a lot of what, what has been not working in, in the world. And 2016, because the, uh, the American elections are so pivotal really for the future of the planet, uh, I, I felt that it was important to get a voice of what I hope is higher consciousness and spiritual depth and a more unifying vision to come out in the midst of what is going to be probably one of the ugliest uh, political seasons we've experienced. It's already been quite dramatic and very intense. And so uh, July 5th I chose as the publication date with my publisher partially because it's about the next evolution of America. And so July 4th being our Independence Day, so July 5th is all about what do we do next? Where do we evolve further? How do we go beyond independence and all of the, 
the assertion of individual will that, that comes with independence into interdependence and a deeper level of uh, collaboration, not only with each other in America, but really with the larger world. Well, of course, we're seeing, you know, surprises daily on the political scene. Um, when you first established that date, was the picture looking somewhat different or is it proceeding just as you thought it might you know, I've, I have sensed, um, I established the date before it was clear how the, the primary seasons were going to, to shake out. And, uh, but I, I haven't been that surprised, actually. In some ways, um, the, the Trump versus, versus Hillary um, setup right now is that, the, and Trump in many ways is an exaggerated version of many of the aspects of America that were mostly outgrowing. And part of the the trick is not to necessarily fear and fight and, and hate that which we're outgrowing, but to understand it and to understand the values underneath and what what it may be expressing. And so, in many ways, Trump is 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 an exaggerated version of the hypermasculine. You know, he's kind of the ultimate alpha male and going to going to solve problems by you know deal making and intimidation and and force and and that in many ways is a kind of an exaggerated version of of what I think of as an imbalance in the American psyche. So we were founded on a revolutionary war. And I ultimately, in retrospect, believe that the, that we didn't need to have a violent separation from England, that, that if we had been a bit more patient as a country, there would have been a way to individuate without a violent separation. Uh, and the reason that's important is that it's sort of templated into the American um, psychology. Violence and revolutionary fire and force are sort of required for, for growth. And so that has led overall America to be too, like overly masculine in both how we are internally. We have a high rates of crime and violence and, and um, a celebration, a gun culture, a celebration of that, as well as uh, very aggressive in our, our foreign policy as well. And because of that imbalance, we need to come back into re-honoring the feminine and coming into a place of wholeness and deep sacred respect. And when we have masculine and feminine working together in, a, in an optimized way, that's what creates new life. That's what creates the beauty of a child. That creates families. It creates companies. It creates a country. So part of why I put uh, the Lady Liberty on the cover of Sacred America is that this restoration and celebration of the feminine is very essential, not just on a kind of a uh, rights level or even income level, but really like a, as, as a culture to celebrate the feminine as equally as the masculine. And so we have this, this almost exaggerated version right now of like the hyper, the ultimate alpha male, billionaire, chest-thumping chest tough guy, and then we have a, potentially our first woman president. And so there's, there, there's a way in which these, they're, they're embodying this culture clash. And uh, personally, I believe that Hillary's going to win. But I think that that is, that in some ways, it's not just important to win and do whatever it takes to do that, but it's more about shifting the, the tenor of the conversation. And so I'm personally going to go to the Republican National Convention. I don't have tickets yet, but I'm going to be in Cleveland. I'm going to do an event beforehand and, and spend time and really make bridges with Republican leadership, partially because I recognize in a, in a truly sacred world, we really see and honor the value of every living thing. That means every political party and position as well. And and we can begin to see that that conservative value systems need to be honored in the evolution, the next evolution of America. So sometimes we get in this model where we think, okay, in order to create the new, we need a revolution. We need to kind of violently overthrow the old, and then then once we've kind of vanquished the opposition, we can create the new. But it actually, that tends to create a lot of um, discord and uh, there's like a real civil war quality versus bridge building of saying, you know, what can we understand and respect and bless about people who have different political positions and really and really work together then on evolving to the next level and find the common ground that is that is there. You know, the shoot, ready, aim, um, you know, attitude does get us into a lot of trouble. And you're right when, you know, we are being polarized and we're being polarized for a reason, because I think people need to examine their belief systems. You know, what I really feel about this um, and am I looking at it as, uh, you know, through the right lens? Because one of the things that really shook me up about your book was how it made me think about my own attitudes. You know, I can be... Uh, very, um, uh, you know, uh, liberal when it comes to all kinds of issues. And yet when it comes to politics, 
I find myself taking one strong stance and completely rejecting everything about the other party. That's not right. Yeah, yeah and, and it's, you know, to, to be compassionate for ourselves, it, when you're talking about making decisions about issues that affect our lives on many different levels from how we're taxed to whether there's a social security net to whether, whether, um, you know, it affects every level of our life politics. And so it's, 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 it impinges on our sovereignty as beings, whereas most of our life we're getting to make our own decisions and we get to kind of be our own boss. But politics does have major impacts. And so it's, it's natural that it becomes a charged situation, but we have to move beyond that and start to really be able to what I call politically do political cross-training. Uh, for me, it took the for, form of uh, one example when, um, when Sarah Palin was the vice presidential candidate. I just hated her. I, I could not stop. Every time, she would, every time she would speak, I couldn't stand her. And, so, and I realized ultimately that I had work to do in that arena. And so I made a point of reading both of her books. And in doing that, I actually came to appreciate more her her more as a, as a as a person and her value system and understanding what how she was raised and why why she might have taken on certain value systems. It didn't necessarily make me more conservative, but it made me more respectful of the the position she takes, uh, including including that kind of gunslinging frontierswoman kind of energy. And and there's a way that I, I found it more charming rather than like disdainful by the end. And uh, I think that that that's a great example because uh, because. It's not that there, there was a when I was younger I used to I used to think of uh, people who were more conservative as, as the the opposition that we had to kind of somehow just triumph over them in order to make societal progress and that they were holding things back and what I've come to see more recently in in the last decade or so is that that a society evolves step by step and you need something that holds the society together the glue the, the, the that keeps the fabric of our of a culture intact and in a, in a human body that's like there's a homeostasis because we don't want to go out of certain range of our ph balance and our neurochemistry it's like the, there's there's only a narrow range where life is successful same thing with a culture things can fragment and break down really easily and so sometimes a, a more conservative value system is preserving what is already good in the culture and there's some yes it's creating some resistance to the new but that's healthy because the the new has to be grounded and solid and well thought through and measured in how it's how it's implemented and so if you kind of see that a lot of times the people who are you know pushing for progressive changes and then conservatives who are saying no then and, and tend to be more championing um, past values if you will then then you see that there's actually a useful evolutionary tension and so if we we realize that and we can and then we can work together and say you know let's find the common ground let's 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 find let's, if we take a progressive position and then we think about it from a more conservative angle for instance so I, in the book i go into the 15 dollar an hour minimum wage so a lot of times on the progressive side, it's all about the up, you know, it's the uplifting of the downtrodden, the exploitation by companies, and there's a there's a there's a kind of ex exploitation narrative. But you can you can actually take the same policy and look at it from a more conservative value system and say this is ultimately about reducing the size of government, because what happens when companies can hire somebody for seven dollars? This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network. Have you ever wondered how to change your love paradigm? The secret key is finding a love partnership, not just a regular connection. How do you find these? Through conscious relationships. Ascending Hearts Dating is a dating site for people like you that believes in second chances and a different type of spiritual connection. Try Ascending Hearts for free today at AscendingHearts.com and change your love paradigm. Ascending Hearts, the premier dating community for the spiritually awake. Hello, I'm Miriam Knight of New Consciousness Review, inviting you to my new show where I interview the rising stars of the Conscious Awakening. We'll explore the many faces of consciousness and action and intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Rising Stars Show. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times.
Hosting a show on IOM-FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. ...can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth Radio is conscious living for your soul every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network. Welcome back to What Is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and I'm speaking with founder of the Shift Network, Stephen Dynan, about his book, Sacred America, Sacred World which is being held as a much-needed manifesto for a transpartisan America. Stephen, we've talked about, um, you know, the fact that no single uh, person has the, you know, all of the answers and that we need to look at the best of what each side offers rather than rejecting it just because we don't like the party. Do you think that, I mean, do you envision some kind of coalition government or a different kind of party forming altogether? One of the things I talk about in in Sacred America, Sacred World is the power of a polarity to drive evolution. You can think of that with the males and females, that there's a polarization and that creates newness. There's a a dynamism. So I don't necessarily think the binary party system in, in the United States is wrong or is going to go away. What I think we need to do is, is reduce our attachment to the particular polarity that we're in and our natural disposition and really start to understand the other, the other side and the other positions and the worldview underneath as well as the people that that, that party represents. And I think some, some healthy um, third parties are, are great, and I have no issue with that. But probably the, w- once this duopoly is kind of established, it's hard to fully shift that. And so what I say in the book is, is what we really need is a more enlightened wing of each party that is a, a transpartisan wing that is about creating this higher common ground. And I, 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 I name that in the, in the book Evolutionary Republicans and Evolutionary Democrats. So in that sense, the, part of the identity is they were both, we're both evolutionaries. We're not, no longer revolutionaries trying to, in a fiery, violent way, overthrow the opposition. We're evolutionaries working in a more collaborative and synergistic way to evolve the new. So the evolutionary Republicans uh, have their own candidates and their own pre- predisposition, and then the evolutionary Democrats have their own. And the idea would be to influence the evolution of each political party from the inside so that you're eventually running more and more conscious candidates. I also explore how, how we could create an evolutionary political leadership training that would help to prepare people at an earlier stage of their growth and maturation uh, to to really become the kind of conscious, transpartisan candidates who can shift the world. Again, not by being neutral or independent or creating a third party necessarily, but by simply being a more conscious and fulfill, uh, full expression of the natural predisposition of that party. So you, so you can think of, um, George Lakoff has done a really interesting analysis of how the Republican Party in many ways represents the, 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 the stir, strict father and uh, value system, and the Democratic re- represents more of the nurturing mother. 
so in that sense, you, if you see it from a from a, almost a, a family systems part, is you want you want two healthy parties because they actually create a certain family structure in a way, but you don't want them at war with each other. It's not healthy for children to see their parents uh, doing battle and dismissing and hating the other opposition because it ends up creating a fractured family. And so that's what we have now in the United States. We have a fractured family where literally, um, literally people are more, more upset and disappointed to have their children date somebody of the opposite political party or marry them than they are about anything else. It's no longer about race anymore. It's really about po- politics. And something like 50% of people would be upset if, if their child married somebody of the opposite political party. So we're segmenting into these two different camps. And part of that happens at a leadership level because we, we're witnessing this constant warfare, essentially like mom and dad fighting all the time at home. <laughs> then we, then we, end up, we end up internalizing this and that, and that we start to see people of the, opposite, of the other political persuasions as bad or you know, backward, backward thinking or, or somehow regressive rather than a, a kind of a spirit of honoring and mutual growth and, and really new opportunity. And, there, and this play comes out all the way down to the personal level. I'll give an example from my, my own uh, relationship with my father-in-law, who's no longer with us. But he's a, he was a tough Republican, and I was, he was forwarded by my uh, wife an article I had written about, about how to respond to terrorism with you know, doing what we need to do, but also with, uh, with love for, for the beans on the other side. And, and he decided he was going to teach me a lesson and, and rip me a new one. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he, 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 and he proceeded to engage in some of the most uh, intense cyber warfare with me, CCing most of the family and most of his friends uh, about my position and he just went to battle and he said he said put on your flak jacket <laughs> and uh and i found it i found for my wife found it horrifying uh but i actually found it interesting for and and illuminating and it actually in the end uh brought us to his point of a more mutual respect and then eventually real love like he really began to you know see and respect me in a different way and i and i saw and respected him and i felt like when i needed more mentorship in business i now run a 50 person company that has global you know global reach i needed more of the business grounding that he could provide and he was he was helpful in that arena in many different ways and so there there was a way in which i recognized at a certain point that I needed to learn more from conservatives and Republicans. And, uh, and I think vice versa sort of softened his, some of his positions as well. So, so that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, we play out a lot of things in the big political um, arena, but a lot of it boils down to family relationships, community relationships, business relationships. Can we, can we actually make peace and even better find new opportunities for growth by integrating value systems and perspectives that we might not naturally take or that, that aren't sourced in what we've been reading. So one thing I like to do now is I, I, I go to Real Clear Politics every day, which has a nice balance of left and right. And I try to read a bit, uh, some opinion pieces from the left and some opinion pieces from the right. And at first it's, it can be a little bit like, Ugh, you know, a feeling of you know, disdain or like, I don't want to read that. But after a while, you really see the logic in it, and you and you understand the value systems, and you understand the human the human dreams and hopes and aspirations behind uh, behind each side, and, and stop seeing them as as just uh, wrong, but rather a different orientation to to life and different priority uh, for what what's really most important. Well, you know, each side obviously needs to grow up and evolve, as you say in the book, but equally we need to grow up and evolve because, you know, in England, the Labour Party leader, Jeremy Corbyn, nobody expected him to get the leadership of the Labour Party. And he has a practice. He said outright, I am not going to vilify, uh, you know, the opposition. I am not going to do the mudflinging that goes on in Parliament every day. What happened? You know, people call him weak because he's refusing to enter that arena. Yeah. Well, again, instead of just um, lamenting that, I think if we look at it from the conservative perspective, conservatives in general are more uh, more focused on protection and safety. So that you think of that as a traditional masculine stance of like the strong father is going to protect the family or the tribe from from uh, from invaders, from the enemy. You know, the military tends to have a more conservative value system, and so and so part of the test of leadership from a more conservative-oriented person is the level of toughness. And so, yes, I think it's important for, for us to move beyond a, a, a heavily, heavily combative energy 
but there's also there's also another level of saying well part of what part of what conservatives need to feel safe is is a leader who is strong enough to stand up to the bullies of the world and stand up to the to the real um, the people who don't have our best interests at heart. I mean, there's some real there's some bad actors on the global stage and there and and within our countries. And so, so there's a need sometimes to have to for for a lot of people to feel safe to have something relax. They need a leader that's going to be sufficiently strong or tough. Now, can we can we demonstrate that without um, without aggression? I'll give an. I think Justin Trudeau is a really fascinating example because he's somebody has very progressive politics and he's done a lot of very heartwarming things and people have been very excited about him. But he's also has pictures of he was, he was trained as a boxer and he you know he's pictures of him like shirtless like with pretty rippling muscles and and doing pretty you know pretty advanced yogic poses and so he has a sort of a physical toughness and a training there that I think probably is reassuring to people who need a certain level of toughness in their leaders so that they feel safe. You know, I had a very sweet um, grandmother who, who really loved Dick Cheney. And I, at the time, I, I, could not, I could not fathom this. And, she, and I would ask her, well, why, why, do you love, why do you love Dick Cheney? She's like, well, I don't know. He just makes me feel safe. And, and, so, and so I think we can judge that or we can say, well, well there's, there's something, there's a human need that needs to be addressed is that at the most primal level, safety and security are really important for us to feel at, at home in the world. And so part of what people are looking for in political leaders is somebody who's going to make them feel safe. And so, you know, people can critique Hillary Clinton, for instance, for being too tough uh, in different ways on, uh, too aggressive on the military side and yada, yada. And, and I think, you know, I, I share some of that. But it's also important for her to demonstrate as a, perhaps the first woman president that she does have the, the steeliness and the mettle to stand up to, to bad actors and tough guys and all the, all the stuff that happens on the global stage. Well, you're right to point out, you know, the fact that we tend to look up to authority figures, charismatic figures as, you know, having more power, knowing more. Um, we give our power away to them and we need to stop doing that. I remember many years ago when I was writing a, a particular book, coming across an odd statistic that was up until that point in time, which I think was probably the 1990s, every president that had been elected in America had been the taller of the two candidates. Exactly. That's, that's a great statistic. <laughs> and, that's, and that speaks to the, it's a very, it's a very instinctual thing. You had a mentor who used to say that, you know, that, that 90% of human psychology can be, can be described by primate psychology. <laughs> and so we like to think of ourselves as very advanced creatures and really thoughtful, but there's a lot of our decision-making happens in the limbic system and the lower brain centers. And so, there's something about taller equals leader equals safer, um, protected, and so we often will, you know, subliminally go with the the taller person as the leader simply because it, they somehow make us feel safer. It has less to do with their po political positions, and 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 there's a lot of evidence that we make decisions in a more instinctual way than than always rational. You call yourself a transpartisan progressive. What does that actually mean? Well, I've always been very progressive in my uh, policy points. I'm very future-oriented and uh, uh, going to another level. We do a lot of work with peace building worldwide. I'm, I believe that there's very innovative things happening from the grassroots all the way to global level. I really want to see peace on a planetary level in our lifetime. I'm also been engaged on sustainability fronts, and I'm interested. And you know, writing articles on gay marriage before that was popular. So there's a lot of positions that I've had that have been very ahead of the curve and very progressive. And I've often, you know, that's that's the candidates I've tended to get behind. However, I've also come to learn and respect from and grow from uh, my my connections with conservative, more conservatives, as I've said. And one of the great blessings in this book just as an example, is that when I wrote it, I, I recognized I needed to have some, some, some conservative leaders who were backing it. Stephen, hold that thought. We'll come back to it in a moment. I'm talking to Stephen Dynan about his new book, Sacred America, Sacred World. We'll be back in a few moments. Don't go away. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network.
Have you ever wondered how to change your love paradigm? The secret key is finding a love partnership, not just a regular connection. How do you find these? Through conscious relationships. Ascending Hearts Dating is a dating site for people like you that believes in second chances and a different type of spiritual connection. Try Ascending Hearts for free today at AscendingHearts.com and change your love paradigm. Ascending Hearts, the premier dating community for the spiritually awake. Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleashed, a political talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleashed, every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Do you want to be a better communicator? Do you want to better connect with the important people in your life? Do you want to enrich your relationships? If so, join me, Matthew Cooper, on the Positive Control System Show every Wednesday evening at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ohm Times Radio. I'll meet you there. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network. Welcome back to What is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and I'm speaking with Stephen Dynan, visionary political strategist, founder of the Shift Network, and author of the book, Sacred America, Sacred World, Fulfilling Our Mission in Service to All. Stephen, your book, Sacred America, explores four ways that America can transcend these divisions to fulfill its higher mission. You're not talking about just America's higher mission, because we all have a higher mission, don't we? And every country has a higher mission. Yes. I mean, that's one of the, the one of the things that I really want to make clear is that I really see sacred America as a sort of America 7.0 I use in the book is like we've gone through different up levels of the operating system and and moving to this sacred America or America 7.0 is really about a global operating system. It's about service to the whole world going to its next level and simultaneously working in a more collaborative fashion with other nations too. So the 6.0 version of America was about becoming a strong nation and, and protecting our own and our tribe in, in, in many ways and, and often being in a more oppositional stance with the rest of the, the world. Um, you know, we have our allies, but there's often been a way it's like America first. And so I think that was a natural developmental stage that we had to go through. But ultimately, if we stay there, we stagnate and become a country that's self-interested, kind of self self-aggrandizing empire rather than a true leader in moving to a world that works for all. So I think each country has got a, a sacred mission or destiny, and it's particularly important, I think, for America to rediscover and find ours because we have so much power on the global stage, not just politically, but militarily, economically, and also culturally. We, we're so influential at this point that, that if we don't mature to the le- next level, it has huge impacts on the rest of the world. So I, I wrote this book for primarily Americans to, th- to see how we can, we can go to the next level. But it, it does, the same process can essentially be applied to almost any country because I think every country has its unique contribution, its unique culture, its unique mission, if you will, to what it can template. Um, and, you know, I, I, 
I, th- I find that a fascinating thing. I once gave a talk in Mexico City that was all about uh, about Mexico's sacred contribution to the larger world, and people loved it. I gave it in Spanish, which you know was a kind of a stretch for me, <laughs> but I but I but they loved it because I, I really I really was talking about how I saw part of Mexico's sort of sacred gift in a way is is to is to, to demonstrate a heart-centered culture they're, they're a very heart-centered culture and they have to overcome the wounding around so much drug violence as part of their process of really fulfilling their higher mission and in a way part of america fulfilling its higher mission has to go through facing our own genocide of the native american people and slavery and uh, the different really shadowy things that we've done on a, a cultural level to to suppress other countries and economically enslave them. You can read um, John Perkins' New Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and that's not to not to completely dis, you know dismiss America and, and and denigrate it, but it's like we have to come to terms with the shadow side. That's where we that's the curriculum that that helps us grow into greater maturity. And if we're in denial about that, we simply can't move forward. Well, if we look at you know how many countries are having what they term immigration issues, um, isn't it just karma? I mean, look look how Britain, you know, went out rampaging across the world, and now Britain is having an immigration problem. It just feels like, hey, it's payback time. It's time to start looking at this, you know, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that karma brings in an interesting angle. I don't really go that into that in the book as much, but I do believe uh, that that karma is is connect. There are there's collective karma as well, and and in many ways, German the German embrace of Syrian refugees was represented a profound healing mm-hmm. and a rectification of what happened as a result of World War II and the dissemination of so many of the of the Jewish diaspora, the Jewish population, the Holocaust, and in a way, it was like this great um, reclaiming of it. I think America needs to go through something similar with our in, with our indigenous population. When when uh, explorers first came to American shores, there were something on the order of 18 million uh, inhabitants of this land, and it was taken down to less around a million within a hundred years. So we had a genocide that was slower moving, but it was equally the same size scale as Germany's uh, Holocaust. And we haven't really come to terms with that in the same way that they have. And so there's there's a way in which immigration can be can be uh, a profound healing opportunity because we're demonstrating demonstrating a generosity of spirit with populations that we might have something to do with. So if, uh, I'll give it another example. I wrote an article about just to be somewhat provocative but also realistic. And when the Syrian refugee crisis really started heating up. I, I wrote an article about why admitting one million Syrian refugees would help to defeat ISIS. And I really go into it from a perspective of historical and, and, and looking at like when you bring in a large refugee population and how that's, there's an engine of entrepreneurship that's actually activated, it tends to soften the divides. And in this case, you know, Syria, we definitely have as a country a, a, good, a good bit of responsibility for the the hornet's nest that's been created there and so there's a very very much a way of taking responsibility for helping to clean up some of the the damage to the human lives involved from from you know the misguided ways that we both led and ended the the uh, Iraq war and the ways that that sort of uh, fragmented off large elements of Saddam Hussein's military that didn't have a job anymore and then they basically kind of regrouped around ISIS there's things there's a lot of different ways we contributed to that mess and it doesn't mean that we're the only contributors there's certainly there's certainly the regional players and and a lot of other factors going in but can we step up and 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 be part of the solution and in a way that actually helps heal the relationship with the Islamic world long term now that position hasn't gotten a lot of traction but i do think it's the right position for us and i you know i made a pretty strong case for why that why that should be but so so i do think the immigration issue is is one where where it is calling us to a higher higher ground and i can get that i can get the conservative concern that you essentially have illegal immigration and porous borders because part of protecting the old and protecting what exists is to have clear borders and to have um, you know things be legal and above board and and so there I understand that perspective and there's also the alternative perspective that this that this is a uh, there's a higher coming together of the Americas that 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 immigration can re- represent as well you have a 
a passage in the book that I really impressed me. It's very, very eloquent because, you know, it does confront us with all of our belief systems and it did rock me in several places. And um, I think it will rock a lot of people. But one of the things that you said, you smooth it over so well. You said, even if we believe that we are the greatest country on earth, we are not nearly so great today as we can become tomorrow. Now, that for me, you know, for many people who might take issue with what you're saying, might feel a little bit um, appalled or hurt by it. That's a, that's a great rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really essentially about evolution. Is everything we're we're always trying to grow to another level as as individuals, as as companies, as cultures, and so it gets us out of the whole the whole dance. Are we great or are we not? It's like well, there's a lot of great things and there's a lot of problematic aspects. There's ways that we've really done amazing service to the world, and there's ways we've created real destruction and devastation. There are things that we have done exceptionally well and things that we have, have botched badly. And so we're just taking it in as information and learning and growth. And well, how do we how do we address this? How do we clean up this mistake? How do we go to the next level? And, you know, everybody can go get on board with that. It's like we all want to be greater. And, and part of being greater isn't just being egotistical. It's about being greater in service and greater in creating a world that works for all. And one of the things I talk about in the book is, is how, you know, how, how about switching more of our, our defense industry dollars into microfinance funds to empower developing world entrepreneurs. And I show how if you put 10 or $15 million uh, into developing world microfinance, these $500,000, $2,000 loans that can help people like create little businesses to get them out of poverty. You do that. I, I have several dozen of those loans happening now from places from the West Bank of Palestine to Pakistan to, uh, you know, to, you know, Uganda. And it's like there's, so these little acts of generosity uh, and upliftment do a lot more to weave the world together and actually are cheaper long term than military inventions, uh, interventions. Well, you're right. I mean, change begins with us. What else can you suggest that can help us evolve our consciousness? Sorry, I missed the say it again. What else can you suggest that helps us evolve our consciousness? Well, I, I, mean, I think there's all of the methodologies of personal growth. I think meditation practice is really good. I think that um, you know, things like yoga are really effective. There's a whole range of different, you know, at the Shift Network, we, we feature many different teachers that, that are offering everything from energy, energy medicine uh, tips to, uh, to practices for spiritual awakening. And I think all of those methodologies are good and important. I think when it comes to the political sphere, it's, it's, it's a lot about what I said, the cross-training is to, is to really look at our own biases and look at the own place, our own places where we polarize in our own hearts and to consciously reach across those divides. I mean, if we, if we, want, to, if we want to solve more of the, uh, the American Islamic divide, it's reach out and make some friends with Islamic people and you realize they're, you know, they they really share similar passions. Or read read the Koran, or or make a make a micro micro finance loan to uh, Islamic entrepreneurs. All of these little little acts start to reduce whatever polarizations we have in our own heart, and uh, and to take seriously, like when, every time we have a really strong negative reaction to another political leader or political position to do some work around that and to and to look at it and say what you know what am i rejecting in myself by rejecting this other person because ultimately they're just another facet of this whole sacred reality that we've been given by the divine and that's my belief and my experience that that this whole earth is a learning laboratory and that we are here to help to we're here to manifest our our full potential as divine beings and and to really have compassion for for beings that are stuck, you know, whether uh, my wife does work in in prison system, and I think going in there and and really getting to know people who have killed other people and committed crimes, and it's actually very liberating. You're like, wow, I actually like this guy, and <laughs> this guy's murdered somebody, <laughs> yes. you know. And uh, there's there's a way in which it takes it out of this whole charge and separation. So because our our, our nature is is in our media and our culture tends to reinforce the momentum towards separation that we have to move towards 
creating oneness with other people that are different than we are. And uh, some of the, it can happen through travel, it can happen through outreach in a community, it can happen by taking the time to go into a prison and watch a, you know, a Shakespeare show. For instance, they put on Shakespeare shows at San Quentin and, and there's something really powerful about people, you know, telling their stories and embodying a character from Shakespeare. And, and, and then you talk to him afterwards and you're like, wow, I really, I enjoy this guy. I could see hanging out with him and, or you appreciate where they've come from as well. You're listening to What Is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer and I'm speaking with Stephen Dynan, author of the new book, Sacred America, Sacred World, fulfilling our mission in service to all. We'll be back in a few moments. Don't go away. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network. The number one reason girls drop... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleash, a political talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleash, every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Miriam Knight of New Consciousness Review, inviting you to my new show where I interview the rising stars of the Conscious Awakening. We'll explore the many faces of consciousness and action and intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Rising Stars Show. This is OTRFM. Part of the IOM Radio Network. Welcome back. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and you're listening to What Is Going On. I'm speaking with founder of the Shift Network and author of the book Sacred America, Sacred World, Stephen Dynan. Stephen, what is the Shift Network doing to help foster large scale changes? Well, the, the basic premise is that we're shifting to a whole nother operating system, that, that, and that requires us to shift in our consciousness as well as how we're doing a whole variety of things. And so the core of the shift network is really about, is really about programs that help us awaken to our full potential and express that in different arenas. So we have courses that are about spiritual growth, about personal growth, about relationships, and then also about how do we impact the larger world, about enlightened business and about peace building and about uh, women's work. And so there's a lot of different areas of letting go of an old paradigm and moving into a new. So in, in the healthcare system, it's, a, it's all about um, integrative care and holistic approach to our health. So it's about integrating the best of we- Western medicine, but integrating the best of Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and energy medicine and all of the, the holistic practices that have been emerging so that we really create this full spectrum approach to our health that is more masculine, feminine balanced. Traditional me- medicine is very masculine, interventionist, take a pill, fix it, and a lot of the alternative medicine tends to be more um, 
more feminine in certain ways and more about really uh, a, a deeper kind of healing relationship with our bodies and, and our emotions and our life. And, and then that creates a, a different fabric for health. So, so what we do is we, we're really showcasing pioneers at the leading edge of each domain and we're doing it in leadership, we're doing it in business, we're doing it in uh, peacemaking, doing psychology, we're doing, we've done stuff in Enneagram, we've done stuff in, in holistic health, a whole range of different areas. And when you take them as an aggregate, it's really about shifting to a new paradigm of being. And for me, that's about living in a sacred way, which is why I call it Sacred America, Sacred World. And a sacred way really recognizes that we have this amazing, beautiful blessing of this planet and this opportunity to live and grow in and, and, and really truly an amazing world. And we haven't yet found our full expression. We, and we need to do that as a planet. We need to come together as, a, as, a, as one species, one human family that recognizes we're all brothers and sisters to each other. We need to live in reverence for, for what we've been given and live in balance with Mother Nature and, and to live in a sustainable way. We really need to end the war game permanently, and I'm very committed doing that in in my lifetime. I want to I want to be part of ending war permanently on this planet, and that is absolutely a foundation of of the new paradigm. Uh, I also want to be about really empowering the balance of the masculine and feminine in the culture. So I champion women political leaders, gotten behind several who have run for office, and I think that this feminization of the of the political process is really central so that we can have our decisions be sourced from the wisdom that comes from the balance of uh, masculine and feminine. So there's a lot of different dimensions to the larger shift on planet Earth. And so we just try to like bring together all the different pioneers we can. We featured over a thousand in different domains. Most 90% of what we do is free and then 10% uh, of it is, is uh, paid courses. So, you know, we've, I think we've had about 750,000 people in 200 countries participate in something in the SHIFT network, and, and about 50,000 of those have gone on to paid programs. And so we try to balance this, the generosity with a, re, a rigorous business model that has, has been profitable and has been growing. And, and so we're, we're doing our best to model enlightened business principles in how we do things and make our company an expression on all levels of being living in a sacred way can we you know so we have a you know a minimum wage basically of fifty thousand dollars a year for anybody who's working uh, uh full time for the shift and that's part of our part of our way of expressing that we really uh, in, invite everybody to show up as they are we have share circles where people really share what's what's on their heart and people cry they're talking about parents who are dying friends they've lost talk about their dreams and aspirations so there's not a separation from between how somebody is in the rest of their life and how they show up at, at the shift network. So, so we're, we see it as, as we're both helping to amplify and propagate the, the best of what's happening on, mainly online right now, and we're going to be moving into more media and eventually local centers. But we're also trying to demonstrate that in our, in our day-to-day lives and how we create a company that is based on sacred principles. I love um, the piece you write about July the 4th. You say that uh, while there's beauty in the patriotic joy, we tend to focus on the glory of winning a war rather than the enshrinement of sacred principles of liberty, equality and justice for all. Um, And you propose a national day of reconciliation. Wouldn't it be wonderful if instead of celebrating wars, we all celebrate a day of reconciliation? Yeah, it's a great idea to combine them too and to... Maybe something that we should look into in the future. I thank you for that idea to to start to seed that because it's it's not just it, it is about if, if July Fourth is a, a day of celebrating our country, it, but instead of just looking backwards, to look forwards. What is it that we want to activate in the next year? How how do we create bridges and heal divides? How do we reach out across um, some unhealed rift uh, in in our in our culture that needs to be addressed, and to do that as part of our patriotism, as part of our desire for our country to be greater than we've been yesterday, uh, tomorrow. So I think that's it's a really key point to not rest on our laurels um, and to and to continue to see the way the path forward to being still still a more beautiful country. When you look forward, are you filled with optimism? I, I believe that 
optimism is essential uh, in order to create new possibilities. I, I think that if, if we shortchange ourselves if we're, if, we, if we're not willing to be optimistic because it's very difficult to create to create new possibilities, whether it's a business or a movement or a course or, or, or without being optimistic because we have to believe in the potential of the future to be better than what is now or else we, we can't actually be agents of creating it. So I'm deeply optimistic and I'm also realistic that Things take time. Sometimes there's setbacks. Sometimes it appears that we're really going down a rabbit hole, for and we can. You know, I don't think that the rise of Hitler in Germany was a particularly great idea, and I do think it set Germany back for a while. But look, you know, 50, 60 years later, now they they're one of the I think in many ways a very exemplary country, and they've really come to terms with that and and matured in their in in their whole relationship to authority and power and and generosity and with um, the other and so there's a way in which even the, the big setbacks can can be grist for the mill for growing still further so I think we need to hold on to a kind of a relentless optimism while also being really realistic and looking at what is and not glossing it over not being uh, Pollyannas or sticking our head in the sand but really saying okay what's going on that's that's destructive or problematic and and we're gonna face that we're gonna we're going to look at it, but we're also going to to try to look at it from a, a stance of grow, of growth of like how can we use this to grow and become more mature, to become more whole, to become more united, and to really make a better demonstration of what is possible. You know, it's one thing to talk about what we as individual citizens can do, uh, microfinancing. You know. <laughs> really educating ourselves better about the people that we think are so different from us to realise actually they're just the same. Um, but when it comes to things like transforming the banking system, transforming the education system, um, these are big tasks. How possible do you think it is and in what kind of time frame? So time frames, you know, one mentor I had said he likes to think about cultural evolution in 500-year time spans, which was a real, was a real <laughs> paradigm shifter for me because we, we, we're such an instant gratification culture now. But if we really think about the big game of evolving our world, it's, it's on a long trajectory. It's in decades, uh, sometimes centuries. Sometimes we can go fast. Gay marriage went really fast. Um, sometimes things take longer. Um, but if we're just clear on the trajectory and we're patient about the unfolding, then, um, then we can really do it. Now, banking is a great example where it's been very much stuck in a lot of different ways. And I talk about how central banking is, is a distortion of the money system, for instance, where you basically have private interests that are profiting on the creation of money, which is a public good, and, and that, that creates distortion. So I really think long-term we need, do need to have a, a, a deep reform of the Federal Reserve and to take back the money creation powers for the people rather than for private interest. Um, and yet the way to do that isn't necessarily first to go head on against the Federal Reserve. That, that might be helpful. But what's interesting is the, the innovations happening at the periphery. The Bank of North Dakota has been a great example of a publicly owned institution, basically acts like a mini Federal Reserve for North Dakota. It's led to a lot of prosperity. They weathered the downturn better than any other state. They've had run a surplus, given money back to the people. And part of it is because, the, that, and they haven't run the private banks out of business, but they have a public bank that basically helps to fund infrastructure and helps to do a lot of things that, that help grow the economy in a complementary way to the private banks. So there's a whole movement afoot. I know that I think Seattle's looking at a, at, at a, a private bank. It's, it's happening, percolating all around, all around now. So you can have cities, country or states do uh, essentially public banks that are for the common good and that movement is growing and, and as there's more examples that's going to that's going to be we if we can help amplify those i'll give an example i just i went to a fundraiser with gavin newsom and 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 talked to him afterwards about hey have you looked into the north dakota um, banking system and how that could be implemented in california He's running for governor. He's probably the likely next governor of California. He was intrigued with the idea. He says, I haven't heard anything about it. Why don't you share more about it? And I shared a bit of what I knew and plant a little seed there. And you do the same with elected officials. And people are looking for innovation. Uh, if, if, if we can be amplifiers of innovation to our elected representatives, and one of the things that I talk about in the book is how important it is to be a sacred citizen and be actively engaged in 
voicing our opinions to our representatives. That's really what they're there for. We can think about being politically involved as being involved in elections, but that really should be a smaller percentage of our time than positively engaging our elected representatives in doing their job and making our opinions and ideas known. And so if we're helping to you know, create personal connections with staffers within our congressional or Senate offices, we, we can help to feed them really cool, interesting things that we come across, and, and that may then, then help to bump, bump us along to the next level. Stephen, I'm afraid we're out of time. I want to thank you for stepping up to the plate and showing us what is possible. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a delight. And, you can, and for folks who want to find out more, sacredamerica.net. And Sacred America, Sacred World, fulfilling our mission in service is published by Hampton Road. And you can find out more about Shift Network at theshiftnetwork.com. That's it for today. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer. Thanks for being with me. I look forward to being with you same time next week. Till then, it's goodbye from me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.